So we are uh, continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke, and as I've said, we've got quite a, a large passage assigned for this evening, and I've broken it up through the service. So the first part of our reading for this evening is taken from Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 1 to 3. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and disease. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. And these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So, there we go. We've got a... Should be, there we go. These women... Um, the message version says these women use their considerable means to provide for the company. And they're kind of a little prologue to this passage, these women mentioned in passing. But some really important characters in there, people that have met Jesus, had had their lives transformed by him. Uh, Joanna, the wife of, uh, of the highly connected court official, a very influential woman, um, being cured of evil spirits. And Joanna, as well as one of the ones um, that we're told, goes to the tomb of Jesus. So these women, these little prologue, if you like, to this, this section, really using their considerable means to provide for the company of God. And it kind of made me think, really, this, this response, this, this praise that we could emulate these women who have received so much and known Jesus so closely, um, who, who come together and, and provide for the company and kind of give their all, really, back in their worship to Jesus. So they're our inspiration for our worship as we continue to worship. We're going to sing uh, two songs together, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and All I Am, both of these kind of in that spirit of these women who have received so much and now give so much back in thanks and praise to the Jesus who they call Lord. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, 100 times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock 
are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the, lo- into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. So you'll forgive me. I I said that uh, this evening my intention was that we would have a a reflective service, so there's a, there's a short reflection in the space of where the sermon might normally be. I thought we'd probably had quite a lot of content today and I wanted to, to take us gently through it. But the, uh, the thought that I want to bring you in this sort of slightly sermon-shaped gap in the service is what does it mean to shine? What does it mean to shine? Um, and I have stolen unashamedly, so I will credit um, this is, this is a, 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 from Billy Graham's Evangelistic Association. What does it mean to shine, to give off light, to reflect light? And it seems to follow on quite nicely from what Michael was saying this morning. We are called to shine like lights in the world. And we're given a light not to put it under a dirty old bucket, but to let it, to let it shine. So three thoughts to guide our reflections this evening. What does it mean to shine? First of all, I think shining is about putting ourselves out there. Jesus says, let your light shine before others. It's the obvious point, isn't it? We don't light a light to hide it. We light a light to let it shine. A lamp is meant to be placed on a stand to give light to everything all around it. And whether you're timid or whether you're outgoing, we are each called, and as a community we are called, to be a light to the people around us. What does that mean? What does it mean to shine, to put yourself out there, to let your light be seen? Think about the places you go, the conversations you have, the interactions day by day, and maybe following on from some of those challenges that we were given this morning. What does it mean for us to shine, particularly maybe when we're not feeling very shiny sometimes? What does it mean to shine? The second thought is, maybe shining means being counter-cultural. Certainly I've been uh, uh, thinking, uh, the verse I've had very much on my heart this week, there's a light that shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness shall not overcome it, which is a traditional Christmas verse, isn't it? But it's good for any time of the year. Often our culture can feel a bit dark and our news can feel a bit dark and the situations and the circumstances that we find ourselves in can find a bit dark. So shining, being positive, being hopeful, being optimistic, lighting a light in the darkness actually is the very definition of being countercultural sometimes. So sometimes shining, being that witness, the light shining in the darkness and knowing with full confidence that the darkness cannot overcome it, being countercultural. But thirdly, we shine not from any power or light of our own, but we always point back to the source of the light. For the darkness is overwhelming and on our own we cannot shine, can we? But we point back to the one who is the light. And when Jesus said, let your light shine before others, he went on to say, so that they may see the good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. As we shine, we reflect God's glory. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about Moses when he went to meet face to face with God. And he came back and his face was shining, not from anything that he had done, but from spending time in the presence of God. So we shine because we spend time in God's presence, because we reflect his glory. And the light that shines in the darkness through us is not our own light, but it is God. So let's shine. Let's put ourselves out there. Let's be countercultural. And let's point back to the light that is Jesus. We continue in the, uh, the reading in Luke chapter 8 and reading verses through 19 to 25. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. 